I first met John Bevere uh, when he was a student in a Bible college here in Dallas. He and his wife, Lisa, were at Bible college. And from there, I mean, it just took off. But really, the first time he and I interacted was on a basketball court. And uh, what I found out right away is that John's competitive, and uh, he's known for that now. But that same drive is what put John in a place to help minister to millions of people around the world, not just out of wanting to be known, but out of wanting to help others and not letting anything stop them. He talked about this uh, recently with us, and uh, his new book, Chris Shields is with me, our co-host this season. His new book is just called X, How to Multiply Your God-Given Potential. And if anybody's done that, I've watched John do that. Yes. Yeah, it's been remarkable. Yeah, just looking at, you know, what he's accomplished, even the fact that he has, you know, resources in 90 different languages. Wow. My goodness. And y'all met on a basketball court? Man, he must have really been playing ball. Hey, you know what? (laughs) The guy, you know, he's got a shot, and he'll still tell you that. Okay. I don't know if he's got the same shot, but but we did go up against it because I can play a little bit, or at least I could. And uh, Al Bryce was out there and a number of other friends. And uh, so, uh, and a lot of these men, are now in ministry. Wow. This was back in the 80s. And, and uh, I was actually had a company and we were producing a number of television programs, Christian television shows, for major ministries across the United States. And one of them was out of this Bible college, Bible training center. Bill Shear was there, who's got oh, okay. Guts yeah, Church Guts up in Church, Tulsa. Uh, Al Bryce with uh, Family uh, Life Church there in Fayetteville, North Carolina. A number of people who were there at the same time. And John went from there. He went into youth ministry with a number of well-known friends. And then he wrote the book, Bait of Satan, about intimidation, what what the enemy does to us as Christians. And that just launched it. And he and Lisa and their four little boys moved to uh, Colorado Springs. And I mean, man, talk about going after your potential. Yes. And if a man's going to write a book about going after, it needs to be somebody who actually did it. Yes, exactly. Right? That yeah. has the, you know, <laughs> the experience. The has the the tra- yeah, the track record that goes yeah. along with it. And it's amazing, you know, to hear all the wonderful things he's um, done because I didn't really know who he was. I mean, he was a YFN, Youth for the Nation speaker yeah, yeah, yeah. at Christ for the Nations. Yeah. And, yeah. oh, John, oh my gosh. And I'm yeah. like, and okay. you did, you had, your upbringing was pretty sheltered. No. Yeah. <laughs> so you knew, you knew a few people, but yeah. nonetheless, uh, I, I, if you have not met John yeah. and you're listening to Brave Men right now, I am so thrilled to introduce you to my good friend, John Bevere. This book, I believe it's called X, How to Multiply Your God-Given Potential. And yes. it's literally coming out right now yes. as, as we listen to this. Yes. He's known internationally. You said 90 languages? Yeah, 90 He's languages. He's probably been to a lot of those countries. Yeah. Lisa, his wife, is uh, Lisa Bevere, is an incredible speaker. Amazing. Communicator. And then you just heard one of their sons speak. Yeah, Addison. Yeah. Addison just spoke at a church here locally, and he tore it up. He killed it. Yeah, and... Yeah, it was just powerful time. Yeah. Powerful time. And See, he spoke on identity. Yeah. Son, well, there being, you go. being a son of God and being yeah. a daughter. Well, it was a men's event, so sons of God mostly. Yeah. But, well, that's yeah. legacy. There yeah, you go. That's literally. legacy right there. Yes. Because you, you saw it. It's He's a, more your age, yeah. right? And uh, But John and Lisa Bevere have uh, this um, remarkable ministry, but you also see it in their, in their sons. Exactly. In their 
son, you know, the daughter-in-laws and all that kind of stuff. And that, that just going back to, you know, me not really knowing who he was, once I started to learn who he's associated with, mm -hmm. I didn't really need to know who he was because, yeah. you know, you are what you hang around. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'm like, man, this man really must, you know, know the Lord yeah. and really flow in a powerful anointing if, you know, his son strong. can do what, he, yeah. Yeah, what he's, he's doing. He's got a lot of strong, powerful yeah. people that they're involved exactly. with. And their organization is called Messenger International. Yes. And every year they, they raise millions of dollars for missions. I was actually in Mongolia. Wow. And saw the result of what Messenger International has done there with our friend, uh, Pastor Budma. Wow. And uh, it, it's really something to see this going around the world. And I, I love these guys. I think they're incredible. And I was so thrilled, I mean, with their schedules. Yeah. And everything they've got going on, uh, bestsellers and speakers and all that. But man, you know, sitting down with him across from that, you know, Zoom thing and just starting to talk. It was like, man, this is why I've always really appreciated this man, because this man, and I actually wrote about him. I changed the names. He's oh, in the wow. book, uh, Just Bartender. a Bartender. Yeah. About, wow. about, and I'll tell you that at the end. I may have mentioned it in the interview. I can't remember. But, uh, you know, John was, John was one of these guys. He was faithful. And he was faithful in doing small things. Yeah, we did talk about that. And he was faithful in doing small things. And being faithful in doing the small things, God gave him then those larger things into his hands because he was faithful in the very small things that nobody else saw. Wow. And it's a remarkable story. I can't wait for you guys to meet right now. Uh, our dear friend, John Bevere, talking about his new book, X, How to Multiply Your God-Given Potential, today on Brave Men. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. Talking with John Bevere. John is a, a great friend. We've known each other a long time. I don't say old friend anymore, John. That's right. We got to stay away from that word. That's the yeah. three letter word for us. And you've written a great new book. I want to talk to you about that. It's uh, X How to Multiply Your God Given Potential. Can you tell we got a lot of millennials working for us? Yeah, with well, a title of X. Yeah. I, I, I was shaky about that one, but they all loved it. But anyway. Yeah. No, I think it's fantastic. And the cover's uh, fantastic looking. Uh, Multiply your God-given potential, X. But where did all this start? Let me go back because we've known each other a long time. But where were you born? Where did you grow up? So I was born in Louisville, Kentucky, but only lived there six weeks. Then went to Northern Ireland for three years, lived in Londonderry. And then I moved to Whitehall, Michigan. And that's where I was raised. That, so that was where high school was? That was where high school was. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you play athletics, sports in, in high school? I I did. I played uh, tennis and I, 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 it was my life. I played the uh, Western Conference, uh, the Mid-Ohio Valley Conference. I played Junior Davis Cup. I won the state high school, third division, and then I played uh, varsity tennis at Purdue University. And I got saved in my fraternity at Purdue. And we had just come back from our spring road trip. We played tennis uh, schools in Tennessee, Kentucky. We played uh, wow. schools in North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, a funny story, we go to South Carolina and their tennis team was gone. So our, our, the coaches messed up and we just hung out. But anyway, I came back from that spring road trip my sophomore year and I'd flunked a physics test. And I walked off as a starter. I just said, I've got God, I've got tennis, I've got school. I am not going to Wimbledon. I, I don't believe I'm called to do that. Right. So I walked off the tennis team. I've never missed it. Wow. Now, I also know, though, because years ago we, we did, we played a little round ball, but you can play, you play a lot of sports. So you can play basketball and baseball. 
Yep, we built a basketball goal at our house here. And Did you really? it's, it's so terrible. I still must have a lot of testosterone in me because I mean, I'm, I'm hobbling around the next day after a game with my boys. <laughs> well, it was perfect because you ended up with uh, four sons. Yes. And, yes. Uh, and with They're you, all giants. And with you, yeah, tall guys. And with you, uh, you had a full team. You could play City League. Yeah, we, we, I'm telling you what, with those guys, I can shoot. That's one thing I can do. I played shooting guard in high school. And so that's the way I get to them. I do drive on them every once in a while and surprise them. They're like, what is he doing? Because they know they'll make me eat the ball usually. But yeah, I surprise I them and I get it in. Yeah, I quit, uh, I quit playing City League. I was 51. We won our last little City League championship thing here in Grapevine. And uh, everything hurts so bad. It just went so bad for so long. I and played then, ice hockey t- until I was 44. I know exactly oh what you're gosh, talking about. God. And and all these guys wanted to fight me and because I was doing the old man stuff, you know, the little knee in the side of their leg and then pulling on their jerseys and, you know, all that stuff you do. Yeah. You, guys yeah. go, you guys turn around and go, come on. I go, well, let's play ball. <laughs> so what coaches did you have a coach that really impacted your life hmm I'd have to say my college coach absolutely didn't but um I would say as far as tennis goes there was a tennis pro <laughs> there were three of us in high school one started at South Carolina the other one uh he made the Tennessee tennis team but he didn't start. And then myself and I started for Purdue and our, our tennis pro would just spend hours and hours with us. And he was a gentleman. And I just picked up uh, from the fact that he was firm, but he was also soft spoken and he was a gentleman. And I think, you know, he really impacted me and just, I wouldn't saved yet, Paul. So, you know, I mean, just his lifestyle spoke to me and I admired it and I wanted to be like him. Yeah. Well, and it's obvious that that really impacted your life because that's how you conduct yourself. You know, we met at Bible college. One of the points you have in X about multiplying your uh, God-given potential is uh, about serving. You know, Luke, Luke 16, 12, serving yeah. somebody else's vision. You won't have your own unless you're willing to serve somebody else. When you and I first met, uh, you were in Bible college. And I tell your story all the time, John. I don't always necessarily tell who it is, but I always tell your story, and that is that you were willing to serve others uh, when you were in Bible college. And, and it seemed to me as I watched the trajectory of your life that that serving others ended up, like Proverbs says, making room for you in those people's lives. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, my job was to take care of my pastor and all his guests. And we were at a very big church. Your dad used to come in and he was absolutely one of my favorites. And um, I remember the very first time I went to pick up one of our guest speakers, it was T.L. Osborne. Mm. And the Holy Spirit said, are you going to ask him a lot of questions? And I saw a vision of his luggage going around and around and around while I'm asking, how do you do these crusades in Africa? How, what happens? What do you sense when you pray for all these people to be healed? And the Lord said, don't seek to learn, seek to serve. Mm. And in serving them, I'll cause them to open their mouths and tell you what you need to know. Wow. Well, that became, that became my mantra, okay, my MO. And I remember, I remember for, for some reason this story sticks out because Lisa and I, we didn't have children yet. 
And I'm, I'm doing 60, 70 hours a week. And to be honest with you, I loved it. I actually was in tears. I said, there's 8,000 people in this church. Why do I get to serve this pastor and his yeah. wife? And I remember one night, you know, um, our pastor was with a worship leader for a world-renowned evangelist who had died in the 70s. And it happened to be his favorite evangelist. Mm. And so he had this worship leader at his house just asking him about the evangelist that he admired. And I get a call at one o'clock or one thirty in the morning. I think it was on, I think it was one o'clock, and it was my pastor. And he said, "John, uh, um, can you come get you know so and so and bring him to the hotel?" So he lived you know twenty minutes from me. The hotel was another twenty. So and then my house would be another ten. So I said, I remember when I said, "Yes, absolutely, I'll be right over." Wow. So I go over there and they're still talking, and I get out about one forty-five. Right? Yeah. And I drop him off the hotel. I get to bed at 2.30. Well, what my senior pastor didn't know, and I never told him, is that I had another guest coming in for the conference who had a 6 a.m. red-eye flight from Hawaii, which meant that I had to get up at 4.45 to go pick him up. So basically that night, I got about two hours and 15 minutes sleep. But I never told him, and we were in the middle of a conference. But yeah. I thought, you know, Paul... I, my, my, this was my motive. My motive was I will never go to him and say it can't be done. And if I have to, if I have X, just if he asked me to do something and I've gone through every, every route, I will come back with a better solution. And um, I'll never, ever forget this. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm driving the van for the church one day and the Holy Spirit said, if, and it was a big if, if I promote you, and you one day preach my gospel. He said, it will be a promotion in serving. Mm. He said, you will, wow. become a, you will become more of a servant than you are now. And I, I, I'm listening. And then he said, son, if you mess up right now, it's just a dry clean shirt. It's a, it's a guest missing, you know, you're late for a guest at the airport. He said, if you mess up when I entrust my gospel to you, you mess up lives. Yeah. And he said, lives are very important to me. So I realized right then, if I ever, because our mindset back then, Paul, was, you know, we're the, we're the low clientele here, right? Or not clientele, we're the low people here on the totem pole. Right. If you really want to be important, you got to be preaching from the platform, yeah. right? And that day when he spoke that to me, everything reversed for me. I realized that our, our mentality was wrong. I kept my mouth shut, but I pondered it, Right. And I realized that if I ever am on that platform, I'm actually supposed to be a greater servant than I am even right now. So I've carried that mentality all through the years that really, because, because then God, you know, starts showing you things in scripture. And when Jesus yeah. says, you know, I, I, I hated with a passion when I got saved in my fraternity, you know, this is 79, 80, 81, man, the big thing was washing people's feet. And oh my gosh, I'd be in a Bible study and they'd say, oh, I just feel bad to wash everybody's feet. And I'd be like, you know what? I got a physics final tomorrow. I got to go. And I, I hate it. I hated a man touching my feet. I couldn't stand it. So um, I am glad now that I'm a little older that I realized that actually I was, I was okay being that way because we made an idol out of washing people's feet the yeah. way Israel made an idol out of that brazen serpent. I mean, Moses yeah, we said, put God in a box, carried it around on our chest. Yeah. yeah. So 
you know, I mean, I'm going to tell all the guys this because I, I, I need to help the guys. If you have, if you have a fear of somebody washing your feet, your fear is founded and don't let them do it. But no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, no, what, but what I realized what was, you know, Jesus is eating a very wealthy man's house. Right. I mean, he's, they're in a separate room and he's got a team of 12 in there. Right. And in those homes back then, you had about 30 servants. You had some that were in charge of the animals, some that were in charge of the garden, some were in charge of the linen, some were in charge of cooking. But the lowest servant, their job was to wash people's feet when they came in the house. Why? Because people wore sandals and the primary mode of transportation is horses and camels. And so you're yeah. walking through dung and you're walking through, you know, pee. And so the one who usually did it was the bottom of the And so when Jesus does this with these guys, they're like, whoa. Because they just had this done two hours earlier when they come into this guy's house exactly. by the female lowest servant, probably. And so Jesus said, you call me Lord and King and you call it, you say, right. But he said, I'm among you as one who serves. Yeah. And he said, I'm setting an example. And you know, as a preacher, Paul, my last word is the most important word on that platform. So think about Jesus. This is his final word to these 12 before he gets crucified. And he says, I want to make sure they understand. You get promoted in this kingdom, that means you're a bigger servant than yeah. you were before. So, yeah, that's awesome stuff. You know, it's it to me, it's like the wedding at Cana. Uh, you know, that those jars that he uh, turned into wine were filthy water. Absolutely filthy. And uh, it's just another picture of how you can take anybody no matter where they are or what's happened in their lives and turn them into something beautiful and uh i love that man but but the whole thing for you john was was you served and then it's like this you know i, I watched it you know closely and then from afar i watched his trajectory and then you wrote a book called bait of satan yeah which which just basically it just exploded it did and, and in fact I'm sure you still sell multiple thousands of copies every year because it's, it's become a Christian classic. It's 26 years old wow. and it's pushing 2 million copies and it just hit its 100th language. So, you know, I, I mean, and I always say my name's on these books cause I was the first guy to get to read them. Okay. So I can honestly separate myself from these books, but it is your dad had the maximized manhood, the beta Satan, probably will be viewed as my maximized manhood and I want to say it's not yeah. my I, I am a steward of a message that God wanted to get to his people yeah you're a steward it's uh you know uh, in our in, in today's language uh, Lynn Sweet was and I were talking about this the other day and he said a better word in today's language is trustee just because it's a legally it's a legal covenant you're taking care of somebody's estate as a trustee, whatever it may be. There's a, there's a more of a legal covenant language in today's culture. But when, so when you speak of steward, you speak of that same thing. I love that. Covenant. What inspired you to write? I mean, you're at this point, you're, you're doing some traveling, you're starting to speak at different places and then you, it's painful. It's not easy to write a book. No, I've written 22 of them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> there's pain involved. So um, my like worst Chan says I, it's it's uh, Sam Chan says it's like giving blood. Yeah, it's uh, my worst subject in high school was English, creative writing and foreign language. 
lot of people don't know that. Um, I literally got passed by my English teachers so they wouldn't have to tolerate me another year. When they asked me to write a paper, it would take one, one page paper would take me usually two, three hours. And, um, I scored 370 on the SAT in verbal. Now, to give you an example, how out of 800, 370 out of 800. So to give you an example how bad that is, I've actually asked a lot of men's groups when I've done men's groups, I said, is anybody in here scored lower than 370 in the SAT? And I've only met one human being in <laughs> all my years of travel that did worse than me on the English part of the SAT. That's just hilarious, man. So I'm out praying in 1991. I'll never forget this. I was at a construction site. It was like 530 in the morning. And the Holy Spirit said, son, I want you to write. And I went, okay, do you have so many kids now you're just getting us mixed up with one another? <laughs> I said, yeah. you don't want me to write. I said, there are so many writers. I, that's my worst subject in high school. Talk to my English teachers. So he said nothing. And I thought him saying nothing meant that he was affirming my logic. So I did nothing. 10 months later, this is the most amazing thing. Two women come to me from two different states in America within two weeks of each other. They both said the exact same words. Wow. John Bevere, if you don't write what God's given you to write, he'll give the messages to somebody else. And one day you'll be judged. Wow. And I went, whoa, in a second. So I got a piece of paper just like this. I got a, a blank piece of paper and I put contract on the top and I wrote a contract with God. I said, God, I think you're making a huge mistake. I can't write. So I need grace. And I signed the contract. So now today, you know, we have just exceeded 40 million resources overseas. And I know they're in, I, I know that I, I would believe with all my heart, we're, we're pushing that, well, 50 million, 10, 40 to 50 million with the books we've given away and the books that have sold. And it's just, you well, know, I'm, Messenger International, which is your ministry, John, you and Lisa, uh, your wife, Messenger International, you guys have an incredible outreach overseas. Outside the United States, let me put it that way. And uh, but you also do a lot of that is uh, you give that it's a, a missions outreach. You do a messenger cup every year. You've raised millions of dollars. I know yeah. a mutual friend Budma in uh, Mongolia. I was there personally, saw the things that you had uh, your ministry had done for them, and uh, it's remarkable, man. So when we talk about driving a van, see, this is where I want to. Driving a church van to helping put millions of dollars into resources for the kingdom all over the world, all of that comes out of faithfulness and a stewardship of your gift. And, and so that's one of the things you talk about in X, which is what happens if you don't steward that gift? <laughs> so we always see faithful as being steadfast, dependable, consistent, reliable. One... <laughs> One day, I mean, God just dealt with me. He said, son, <clears throat> I'm not socialistic in the way I think. I'm actually more capitalistic. Because God says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. He right. said, you see me as socialistic. I'm actually capital, more capitalistic. And I'm like, what? He brought me to the parable of the talents. Yeah. And he said, if, if, he said, if I'm socialistic in the way I think, I'm going to give each of those guys three talents. Right. And then two are going to be faithful and two, one's going to be lazy. And he said, so the two that are faithful are going to make their three into six. And the one lazy is going to maintain three. And he said, then I'm going to take one from each of those guys and give it to the lazy guy. And they're all going to end up with five. He said, but that's not what I did. I took the one from the lazy guy and I gave it to the one who multiplied their five into 10. So the 
that guy ends up with 11 talents, 11, 11 gifts. And <clears throat> what I realized is one of the most important definitions of faithful is multiply. Because if you look at that parable, God's first command of mankind when he puts them on the earth is be fruitful and multiply. So we right. always translate that into having babies. No, that is a part of what he was talking about. Well, He's that's saying, the way I took it, John. <laughs> you know, it's like be faithful, be fruitful and multiply. I'm like, yes, I'll do my part. You know, so, faith without works is dead. That, that, that's part. That's part of it, right? Right. That's right. definitely part of it. But he's saying anything I give you, put into your hands. Yeah. Return it back to me. Multiply. So if you look at this parable, wow. the, the the minus and the parable of the talents, it's Jesus amplifying that command. And what's what what really hit me, and it took me thirty years as a Christian to realize this. Hmm. So I realized that even though it's so obvious, it almost has to be pointed out. When you say faithful, I've asked leadership groups. I've spoken to professional athletic teams, business, marketplace. I've spoken to uh, ministry leadership teams. What's your definition of faithful? Never have I heard one person say multiplication. Wow. Yet, if you look at Jesus, the only thing he says in this parable that these, these two guys do is he said they multiply. One multiplies five into ten. The other multiplies two into four. He doesn't say they were kind. doesn't say they were tenderhearted doesn't say they were steadfast, dependable, reliable. The only thing he says in the whole parable is he made his five, he multiplied it to 10. Mm. And when you look at the master, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Okay, if that's all it's there, I'm okay with that. But he doesn't stop there. He said, you were faithful in that which is least. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What's the only thing that person did in that whole parable, he multiplied. So Jesus directly, you were faithful. He directly correlates faithful with multiplication. See, we think, oh, I'm being faithful. I've got my small business. I'm taking care of my family. I, you know, I'm an usher at the church. Instead of believing God for the grace to multiply that business so you can do more for the Come kingdom. On, you, you know, know the Bible it, says, the Bible says uh, those who know to do the right thing and don't do it to them, it's sin. And, and so to each man, it's measured differently. Hey, this is Chris. Let me take a moment right in the middle of this great conversation to remind you how to get in touch with Paul and Christian Men's Network and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. Christian Men's Network does special events across America and around the world. You can find all the information at cmn.men. Click on events. Detox. Destroy negative thinking, restore positive habits, enlarge your heart, and go after bigger dreams. Clarity in the midst of chaos, along with Paul's Mindset Reset, are messages from Dale Bronner, Joel Brooks, R.T. Kendall, Rob Carmen, and Ed Cole. Available as MP4 videos on a flash drive with GIF 10 case. Now, let's get back to this powerful interview between Paul and John Brevere. So if a man knows how to scale a business and doesn't do it, he, it, it's because what happens is we've taken faithfulness and we've basically said, hey, just keep showing up at church, do this thing. And we've, we've emasculated a generation of men and, and we've taught them how to listen to sermons and we've taught them how to sit right and how to do little things. And we haven't taught them, you know, how to be warriors. And it's in every part of business. And I look at, you talk about playing tennis, I look at, or writing I look at John, I look at a guy who writes a movie script. To me, that's warfare, right? 
every single thing. And this yes. is what you're talking about in X is that everything I do with my gift in life is a kingdom thing. And we tend to, we tend to, as men, you know, it's that old uh, phrase of uh, men are like uh, waffles, women are like spaghetti. And uh, we tend to segment these as men in particular. And we say, here's my business life. Here's my church life and that. And you're saying, John, in X, uh, multiplying your God-given gifts, that it's everything we do is about multiplication. And just one quick phrase. I'll give you this one. This is, it's in a, a book I wrote. It's uh, my friend Lauren Tevitt gave it to me from Calgary. He said that there's an old, and, and you'll appreciate this coming from uh, your background, but there's an old uh, Scottish uh, proverb that says, if there's no blood on your kilt, you're just a dancer. <laughs> I love that, man. Is that great? But you know, the opening story of the book, which I know you probably read, yeah. is really what opened me up to what, what I'm sharing. Um, you know, one of our partners took me to play Riviera and um, we were driving back to the hotel and he really- Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I did notice though, in that story, you did talk about your score. Yes. Yeah, okay. You didn't hold back on that. You were two over, I, I, I think, on I that was round. Three, I was three over par after the first four holes right. and I ended up two under par. So I made five birdies and all pars the rest of the round yeah. at Riviera. It was one of my best rounds I think I've, I've had trust, in a long time. Trust long me, time. I picked that up. Yeah, was yeah. Like, yeah, I thought all the golfers would pick that one up. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so but yeah, tell that story because it's a fantastic opening to the book. So, you know, we're driving back to the hotel and the guy got real vulnerable. He said, John, I'm turning 50, you know, and, and this is his terminology. So I hope I don't offend anybody. He goes, I busted my butt to build my business up to, you know, net worth 9 million. He said, my wife's cared for life. My children care for life. He said, why should I work as hard as I've been working in the decade of the fifties and build my business up to 35 million. And I, I thought rather than be stupid, I looked inside and the Holy spirit immediately showed me what to say. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to answer that with this. I said, Scott, I've, I've, I've written now seven, it was 17 books at the time. Cause this was like seven years ago. Mm -hmm. I've written 17 books. I've gotten on planes, traveled all over the world, 60 countries. I've fought jet lag. I have eaten the craziest foods. I've stayed in little hotel rooms 200 nights a year. I've stood on platforms, some of the largest platforms in the world. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm 55 now. My wife is cared for life. My children are cared for life. Why should I write another book? Why should I get on another plane and travel to a different time zone? So he laughs. He gets this, you know, because he's he's kind of a, he's a tough guy. He gets this smirk on his face and he goes, I wouldn't want to be you when you stand before Jesus. <laughs> and I said, you just said the exact same thing. And that, I'm telling you, that smirk left his face. And he looks at me and he said, what do you mean? I said, Scott, here's the deal. God's given every one of his children gifts, every one of us. And those gifts are given to us to accomplish what he's called us and placed us on this earth to do. Yeah. I said, now. We can do one of three things with those gifts. We can use them to build ourselves. We can use them to build a kingdom as is intended, or we can sit on them and do nothing. I said, my gifts are obvious to you. It's writing, speaking, leading. I said, your gifts, the problem is you have not connected the dots to see how your gifts directly correlate with building the kingdom. In fact, Scott, your gifts, according to the Bible, are more valuable than mine. I said, because the Bible says the parts that are seen are less valuable than the parts that aren't seen. Right. Just like my legs are not as important as my liver. I can't live without my liver. I can, you know, a person can live without a leg. And I'm, I'm telling you, so man, good. he got so quiet. Yeah. He dropped me off at the hotel 
Six months later, we're on the phone again. He goes, I said, hey, man, how you doing? He goes, you want to know the truth? I said, sure. He said, in a good way, I have been haunted by your words every <laughs> single day of my life the last six months. And no, I said, he said, man, you messed with me. You, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. And he, I said, well, then what are you going to do? What are you doing about it, Scott? He said, I'm busting my butt to build my business to $35 million so I can give more of the kingdom. Come on. And so, you know, you know, the Bible doesn't give an exhaustive list of gifts. I don't care if a single mom, which I know this is a men's podcast. I don't care if it's a single mom. I don't care if you dig trenches. I don't care if you work at a factory. I don't care if you, you open up people and you take tumors out of their body. It doesn't matter. It's a divine gift. And a divine gift is something that is beyond mainstream ability of human beings. God has given everybody a gift. You look at my the painting behind me. That's painted by a girl. She's eight years old, Akiana. That's a gift. If you look at a surgeon who's able to go into a person's back yeah. of their eye and remove something without destroying that person's sight, that's a gift. Wow. And so we have to use those gifts to build the kingdom and all gifts can apply to building the kingdom. So then to, to connect that up with faithfulness, because we all want to be that, we all want to be known as that, we'd like to leave that legacy. Hey, he was a faithful man. You know, 2 Timothy 2.2 Paul talks to Timothy. He says, commit the things that I've given you, Timothy. And he's put him in charge of the largest church in the world. Young guy, of course, you know, Paul has to deal with his stuff because he raised by his mom and his grandma. And, and he says to him, he said, he said, the words I've given you, commit them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He didn't say look for men of great ability and just pray to God to be faithful, which is how too many women marry men today. This man of great ability, great charismatic appeal, or whatever, and then pray to God to be faithful, and too often he's not. And we, we tend to run church the same way. What God's looking for is faithful people, and what you did in this is just brilliant, John, which is you connected faithfulness to multiplication. In the business world, we call it scaling, right? Mm, and, yeah. and I man, this, uh, I, I'd like, I just want to, I'm going to mention the book over and over to people, but it's called X. And I think uh, it's publication date is November 17th. So all your guys are getting an early glimpse. Fantastic. So, uh, so X, how to multiply your God given potential. And, and frankly, you know, potential is nothing until you do something with it. It's always just potential. And it's James 125 until you take works into action, until you do something with, with it, nothing's going to happen. You can have the greatest potential in the world. But if you're unfaithful in it, nothing will happen out of it. Hey, you've got four things. Oh, let me let me finish. Let me do one quick thing. Married to Lisa, you had uh, you guys got married. You're faithful in your marriage. You have four amazing boys. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, they're sons of God. I'll, I'll never forget when Judy and Lisa were working together when you guys were in Bible college and they were doing makeup. And my two sons must be a couple years older than your guys. And they were, they're real close when you're apart and they're running around wreaking havoc. And Lisa looked up at Judy and said, well, I certainly hope I don't have a bunch of boys like that. <laughs> I can't believe she said that. She's like, so bluntly honest. I love it. Well, that, well, that's part of the hallmark of your ministry. And, and your wife is amazing when she speaks. She is incredibly she, honest she's one of the most amazing women i've ever met in my life 
she's vulnerable to the point i'll never forget the story when she said when she was telling the story and it may have been at uh at your close friends uh brian and bobby's and hillsong when she talked about when she was calling you in the other room and she said hey john do you have a minute john and you kept putting her off like yeah 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 and she actually her whole thing was she was feeling very amorous and and she's calling you and you're putting her off and when you finally showed up an hour later you go what was it you needed she goes never mind <laughs> that's the best story man i must have been on a golf course <laughs> that's the best story and it's so vulnerable and it's so real so uh i always answer the phone now when my wife calls I, my gosh i could tell you stories where i've almost fallen under the chair laughing or i've wanted uh, to go crawl in a hole and hide because there are just no secrets when it comes to lisa bevere and yeah. i just you know what i started doing for a season is i just meet people for the first time that had heard lisa oh i heard your wife speak i said i'm sorry all the stories you know about, all the dirty laundry you know about, it's 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 all been told. <laughs> That's all true. Now, one of the things, and, and this is something I've I've recommended. I've bought this book uh, uh, about when you first were married, you struggled with and dealt with a pornography habit. Yep. And it almost destroyed your marriage, John. Yeah. And you and what's amazing about the book uh, Kryptonite? Uh, what's the full title? Killing kryptonite. Killing kryptonite. Kill, kill what weakens you. Right. So I, I was just called John's kryptonite book. But uh, that book, what you did in that was you were so brave, man. You had such courage. You told the whole story. It's absolutely. It is uh, next to Ted Roberts and some of our other friends. It is one of those books, I believe, is so timely for men at all ages and in all eras. Yeah, I mean, just yesterday, I was on the phone with 100 guys on a Zoom call, and they're all going through a purity course that we offer four times a year. And just all of them are bound to pornography. And my, the compassion in my heart is so deep. And the first thing I tell them is shame will only keep you in this. So I'm proud of you. Guys, you can, you can turn off your cameras if you want. Let's talk. Yeah. And, um, uh -huh. you know, I battled it. You know, I, I, got, I got addicted to pornography when I was 11. And yeah. I, um, you know, I mean, that was when Hustler and Flynn came out, you know, and it was magazines for us back then. Today, it's so much easier. All you have to do is do one click. And so um, I got, I can tell you the day. I know the day, May 6, 1985. And, you know, I've been free since. And uh -huh. I'm just so thankful. I mean, I'm, I think maybe I had two quick relapses that may have lost, lasted a like a total of four minutes in, in you know in my early years yeah but it was all part of the process of saying right. this is a war this is a war it's not a battle so war you you fight till you win and that's the first thing i told everybody yesterday and uh but you know now because of how my mind's been renewed i've been in europe looking for a golf tournament and you know what happens in europe when you're when you're clicking through the stations looking for sky sports one sky Everything's sports there. yeah Oh my gosh. And, and you know, it is such an amazing miracle to say, I'm literally repulsed. I'm repulsed by what I used to not be able to stay away from. So there's a lot to do with the synapse, you know, your, your neural patterns. It, yep. it, those, those are a modern day language for the strongholds. Mm -hmm. And there is a generational thing because like I said, Larry Flynn, um, Larry Flynn and um, Hugh Hefner came out and they just got a whole generation 
addicted and you have that epigenetics that's passed down where a young man just acts on it one time today, that whole pattern kicks in and now it takes literally a deliverance. Um, yeah, it does. It does. And you guys help people do that. You've got courses for that. And uh, of course, I'm signed up. I, I signed up. You had a special deal at the start of the year for the year. And I signed up in your messenger courses. You've got all kinds of courses. They're fantastic. And uh, so I just want to mention that again. What's the website? And I'm going to, I know Chris and I, when we do our opens and closes, we'll mention it. What's your website? JohnBevere.com? Yeah, JohnBevere.com. If they really enjoy X, which they're going to get from you, they can become part of the launch team. If they want to get the courses, they choose their donation a month. So they do $5 a month. We don't care. But we have over 30 courses. They're all like 15 minutes each. They're fantastic. And that's, that's messengercourses.com. Okay. Yeah, but johnbevere.com, you'll get me there, right? I think so. I'm so sorry. I don't even know. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm sure. I'm all sure my millennials do that. Okay, cool. I'm okay, sure well. somehow we can do that. And, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, but I just want to say, I want to say thank you to you and your ministry, Messenger International and Messenger Cup, at, which is the missions arm. Uh, for being a part of helping to our men with uh, Killing Kryptonite as part of the, the book uh, of X that we're going to be able to do for Christian's Network for our guys. Uh, and, and we're just going to really push this strong because uh, it's so important. And thank you for giving those books to them, to our guys, to, to the guys that get involved with this. But there's four questions. I want to just finish with a couple of quick things. So I, we don't have time to get it. I, I got, you know, you have a world of stuff. We can find about it. Look up uh, johnbevere.com. It's B-E-V-E-R-E. -E. And just uh, severe. <laughs> what's that? It's just, they used to call me severe bevere because S-E-V-E-R-E. -E -E, you just put oh, a B in. It, it rhymes. Yep. So uh, John Bevere. It, now I've watched you guys. I've watched you and Lisa. I've watched, I've sat in a plane, in the same plane as you were flying to Peru. And you guys were writing books. You were both writing. You were sitting there working on a nine-hour flight. So this isn't just something that that you. It's kind of like, hey, this is my profession. This is part of who you are as a life. How do you balance all that with four young men who have grown up who all follow Christ? How did you balance? Because this is the business world that you run in. There's the, the motivational speaking, there's the church speaking, there's sitting here on a flight writing books, working, in other words, working your butt off. How do you balance all that, John? How have you balanced that? So you, you did catch it. I mean, I'm in hotel rooms like 180 to 200 nights a year. So a lot of writing's done in hotel rooms and on airplanes. I have the ability and it's so, I'm so thankful for it. I can shut everything out around me. I can be in the middle of Costco and I could write a book. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be distracted. I have the ability to just hone right in. And so uh, with my boys, I, I connected with them with sports because um, we're all very athletic, the entire family, even Lisa. And, and then the, the most important thing I did with my sons is, is, is say the words, I am sorry. I My boys would tell you, my dad has apologized to us many times and I always made sure I meant it. And what they said is it made them feel safe because no father is perfect on this earth. No father on this earth is perfect. We're going to make mistakes. So I knew, you know, I've talked to so many young men 
And after I share about raising our sons, they'll come up to me and say, my dad never said he was sorry to me. Yeah. And we just kind of forgot about it after three days. Yeah. And then I looked at this guy, I remember this incident, it was in Asia. And I said, did you forget about it? He went, no. Yeah. And so, you know, all four of our sons will say that because Lisa and I were very quick to apologize, you know, we, we, you know, they said they feel safe. And, and I think that's what really kept them close and, well, and, and, we, and that we lived what we believed. Like yeah. there wasn't a John Bevere at home and a John Bevere on the platform. Right. They were like, my dad is exactly the way he is at home on that platform. And when you arrived home, uh, you were present. Yes. You were there. Yes. You know, uh, Warren Farrell is someone we're working with, uh, wrote the book, The Boy Crisis. You know, he's been on Oprah and all these shows. And he and I were talking yesterday about it. He'd just come off uh, Dr. Phil show or something. And we were talking about it. I said, what did you hit with? And he said, well, I told him the most important thing for a father. And I said, what's that, Warren? He said, for that father to wrestle with his boys. I said, really? Yeah. That was your lead? He goes, yeah. He said, because that's how they learn boundaries. And the reason we're having writing in the streets is because the young men in America have never been taught boundaries. They've never yeah. been taught a work ethic. They've never been taught, uh, but basically never had the affirmation of a father. So I'm sure uh, when you talk about being, see, I know you well enough to know that when, that I'm sure somewhere around eight or nine or 10 years old, as you were playing basketball and stuff with your boys, it, it became more and more competitive. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the wrestling more and more often there were people really hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got to, unfortunately I've got to get to a business meeting, but yeah. I, I could almost do another whole podcast on this because what you're saying is so true, but I wrestled with them until they were twice as big as me, as big as me and would have snapped me in half. So I found other ways of competing with them, you know, but they're huge. But yeah, I wrestled with my sons all, until they were twice as big with them. John, thanks, man. X, we're going to talk about it. We're going to offer it to guys because I think it's really important that men learn that faithfulness, this connection of faithfulness and multiply is absolutely a huge revelation. And, uh, you know, the kingdom doesn't operate on information, operates on revelation. So thank you, John. Paul, it's such a pleasure. It's always a real, real enlightenment, uplifting time when I spend time with you. Say hi to Judy. All right, we love John. you guys so much. Okay, you, see you, buddy. Multiplication is, you know, a big deal, Paul. And I believe that a lot of people are looking how to make their lives larger. You know, and it's amazing how John is taking these reality things that he has walked out, not just things that he's gotten from this book or that book, things that he's lived right. and put them in a book and packaged it to allow other people to live in the fullness of who God's called them to be. Yeah, I thought that the whole piece of taking faithfulness and saying faithfulness is always about multiplication, that that, like, that's the definition of yes. faithful. When you're faithful, it will multiply. And I thought, you know, so often we look at multiplication and we look at numbers rather than impact. Yes, wow. You know, and I think what, what, uh, what hit me so strong about John is that it wasn't just about numbers, it was about the impact of your life. Yes. You know, what did you do that really actually changed the future in that sense of your legacy, the world, the people around you and everything else? 
And faithfulness really speaks of, of multiplication. I thought that, that talking about his own personal struggles, things yeah. that he had gone through, um, you know, being vo- really vulnerable, I thought was really, really challenging uh, to all of us because it, it needs to be where we all live. Yeah. And I mean, it just makes me think of Luke 6:38, given it shall be given unto you, mm-hmm. good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And by what measure you meet, it'll be measured unto you. Yeah, there you, go. you know, and that's the definition of faithfulness yeah. right there. Being faithful. You know, and it's just amazing when you allow people to be walking testimonies of the scripture, you know, because the scripture comes alive when you allow it to. You know, the thing is, it does come alive when you see it in the life of a man that, um, you know, you know, he talked about golf and he talked about, you know, being on the golf team and all that sort of stuff. And I'm sure a lot of people looked at him and said, man, that guy's going to do some really good things in life. But at the same time, you know, having some of the habits that he had, having some some of the issues that he walked through, you wouldn't necessarily think it would end up well. Yeah. Always. But man, God had a plan for these people and for their lives and now for their sons and, and the ministry Messenger International. And so the book... You know, let's let's just hit that again. I know we hit it a few times. X, how to multiply your God-given potential. It's out right now. Uh, if you go to Messenger International, you'll yeah. see the different offers that they have. There's product, there's packages you can get. There's the uh, Bible study thing. I say Bible study. It's a it's a study of multiplication. Yes. It's a personal life study. Exactly. And uh, he's got all those things there. And uh, also some of Lisa Bevere's material are on their website. Yes. And John's other books also. Yes. All but the material. one he's hot on right now, obviously, was X, mm-hmm. How to Multiply Your God-Given Potential. It was great to have John Bevere on today on uh, Brave Men. And our prayer for you is the same thing that happened in John's life. We pray for you that God would take the seed of the gospel that has been planted in your heart, expand it, multiply it, grow it, and that you would impact the world around you, that you would leave a legacy, not just live something that happened in history. And uh, we pray that for you today from uh, Chris and I and all of our friends in the Christian Men's Network. We pray may the Lord bless you and grant you great favor in the name of Jesus. Remember this, hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.